Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Podcast, the podcast where we take a certain genre of movies, actor or director, and we talk about their best work, their worst work, and maybe even the work that's so rough that you might need to... Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy night. My name is Micah. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. And Kelly, you had to do that because my... Betty Davis impression sounds like Aud- uh, Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> I'm not sure mine was really very you, good either. Did you say but... Audrey or Catherine? Catherine. Definitely Catherine. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great movie? It really would. Catherine I... Hepburn and Betty Davis. Scrapping it out. They I... would claw each other's eyes out. Those huge eyes out. They would claw, <laughs> she would claw those huge eyes out. <laughs> They'd be reduced to a normal person's size. I'm dropping popcorn. So I promise that we're, we, we're going to make sense of all this. <laughs> Because, Kelly, it is your turn today. Yes, it is. And what Um, are we doing? Guys, we are talking about Betty Davis movies. So let's just go and get it all out of the way, shall we? She's She's got got Betty Davis (laughs) eyes. It's a reprisal or something. I don't know where you're going. It's not the same song I was thinking of. What were you thinking? Well, there's this song, but there's a different tune. Yeah. You're doing like the Broadway reprisal at the end. Well, you know, we're talking about Betty Davis. We got to be a little melodramatic, right? Exactly. I'd expect nothing less. All right. So uh, what movies have you picked for us? So in chronological order, I have picked Jezebel from 1938, All About Eve from 1950, and Dead Ringer from 1964. Not to be confused with Dead Ringers. Which is a great film. It is not a great <laughs> film. It's it's a bad film. We've already established this, Charles. All right, so let's start with Jezebel starting starring <laughs> Betty Davis, 1938. Okay, so Jezebel. Oh, actually, you know what? Uh, did you want to give a, a brief yeah, bio yeah, real yeah. quick? Yeah, let's give a bio about Miss Davis. So this, I, I, I'm sorry to throw off the, the, the flow here, but I think this is worth saying because Lady has a lot of accolades in, in her life. Um, oh, yeah? So... Betty Davis, Ruth Elizabeth Davis, uh, was an American actress of film, television, and theater. She is widely regarded as one of the greatest actresses in Hollywood history. Um, Noted for her willingness to play unsympathetic, sardonic characters, and she was reputed for her performances in a wide range of film genres. Um, She has a very forthright manner, clipped vocal style, and a ubiquitous cigarette that contributed to a public persona which has often been imitated and parodied. Um, she was the first female president of the Ac- uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. She won the Academy Award for Best Actress twice, was the first person to accrue 10 Academy Award nominations for acting, and was the first woman to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Film Institute. Uh, Betty Davis had more than 100 films, television, and theater roles to her credit, um, and in 1999 she was placed second on the American Film Institute's list of the greatest female stars of classic Hollywood. I mean wow. that is that I did is not know that. that's she, quite the resume, folks. So so not only was she a pr- incredible actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, hands down, she was she was awesome. She deserves her place in the number two spot. Yeah. Who is number one? Barbara Stanwyck. <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck is number one in my heart, but I don't know if she's number one. I actually I did not look that up. I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, just the fact that she was also the first female president of the. Um, academy that's that's amazing i know and yeah. and the first person ever to to win 10 nominations i mean mm-hmm. that's that surprised me a lot yeah. actually so so jezebel okay um so, but regardless everybody's got their good bad and ugly 
And that's why we're here. Exactly. Ben, Betty Davis is no exception. Um, which pick do you think this is for me? This is a tough one for me uh, because I I like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really trying to decipher. So I think it's your ugly. What do you think, Charles? Here's my thing. All About Eve is obviously what we're thinking is going to be a good one, right? If this is a side conference between me and Mike. Um, so with that in mind, you have to say, okay, between this one and Dead Ringer, which one, which one's worse? I like this movie too. I liked it a lot. But here's the thing: she could throw out one of those wild Kelly moments where she's like, "Oh well, it's Henry Fonda and Betty Davis, and this is actually my favorite." So. I'm going to say it's either her ugly or her good, and she's going to trip us up about All About Eve. We're doing a lot of strategizing here. Oh, this, is, this is very strategic. It's a I cigarette. Like it. I've got the cigarette. <laughs> extra. Yeah, for those of you that can't see, which is everybody except two people sitting in the room with us. <laughs> There's them. three people. <laughs> he's, uh, Charles is holding this fake cigarette, which I think he's going to be holding the whole time. It's true. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, Micah, you are correct. It is my ugly pick. Okay. Um... So I'm interested to know why. So this movie, <laughs> I, I actually like it a lot too. Um, and in fact, I just said a second ago that Betty Davis has won the Academy Award for Best Actress twice. This is one of those times. She won for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, I think she deserved it. She acted it really well. I like this movie oh, yeah. a lot, actually. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. But her character is so odious. And I feel like I need to watch it between my fingers like most of the time she just the whole she gets herself into these situations that are so avoidable and so ridiculous Mm -hmm. and she acts it well but it's just there's an element of just unnecessary drama that i just can't give a synopsis oh no i didn't you're right okay i'm lost what's this movie about (laughs) you're lost okay um let me tell you charles i have it pulled up here so um, I, I'm going to read the synopsis because I, I like the way that IMDb worded it. Um, a haughty, headstrong Southern belle in antebellum Louisiana loses her fiancé due to her stubborn vanity and pride and vows to get him back. So I think that does a pretty good job of summing it up. Basically, she is, she's a little immature, and it, it actually was a pretty interesting, um, there were some interesting feminist viewpoints presented here, and which was kind of cool for the, for a movie about the antebellum South. Um, but she is just determined to do and say exactly whatever she wants to. She's not going to let society dictate her actions or her thoughts. And she flies in the face of society to such an extent that her fiance can't deal with this stupid thing she does that quote unquote damages her reputation. Um, so he leaves her and she realizes that she has kind of ruin their relationship possibly forever and so she vows that she's going to humble herself before him when he comes back and she's going to do anything to get him back and um this is there's a a yellow jack yellow fever outbreak during all the backdrop of this and so it's just a it's it's quite a quite a action-packed movie so her fiance is played by henry fonda Mm -hmm. very young yeah he's in his early 30s yeah Yeah. he comes back and he's married Mm -hmm. that screws up her plans but you know i really really like the 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 kind of end scene where she's basically he he gets sick with a fever because Mm -hmm. you know various things and she's and they're gonna send him off because they're they're basically quarantined they're getting rid of people that have this fever and she's basically to make right with whatever she's gonna go to this island with them 
or it's not an island. Where are they putting him to? No, it's an island. Yeah. It's an yeah. island. It's mm-hmm. an island. They're gonna put him to there, and so she goes with her with him. He, it talks the wife. So like, okay, let me go. You don't go. I actually like that. That's such a bleak ending. It is it because is. she's like, "Do you know the word for Creole fever powder?" And and it's yeah. just basically telling this this northern innocent wife that, "Hey, I have lived through this stuff. I am tough. You are demure and sweet. I can handle it. He might survive with me. He might not survive with you." Yeah, exactly. I. I really, I mean, there was a couple of reasons why I liked it. I thought her performance was stellar, just absolutely stellar. In fact, it's very surprising for what at least you've shown us so far with movies from the 1930s mm-hmm. and um, not at all uh, predictable. Right. Uh, and I, my favorite scene of the whole thing was after she basically inadvertently coerces two men to duel oh yeah two friends to duel Mm -hmm. uh and she kind of has realized oh i'm i'm a horrible person (laughs) yeah and uh she like gathers all of the uh well it's it's their their slaves and servants and she gathers all of them together (laughs) to because they want to do a singing (laughs) and she's leading them in some chorus and then she turns around and she goes, "It's fitting that I'm wearing white night, uh, white tonight, because I'm going to be baptized." And then she goes back to singing. It's just like that was a really powerful line, just the way she delivered it and everything. Yep. Her character is kind of how I wish Barbara Stanwyck was in Stella Dallas. The redemption. Yeah, factor. the redemption. Just the there was there was more of an an overall arc to the whole thing right. that I felt was lacking in Stella Dallas, and it's yeah. it's a similar character in a lot of ways. Yeah, she. I mean, she is. She just wants what she wants when she wants it, and she she acts first and thinks of consequences later. But you you're right. I mean, she does. She, she kind of does a parabola thing in this movie because she starts out doing something stupid, and then she really truly in her soul wants to make up for it, but mm-hmm. she doesn't get the chance to. And when she's disappointed in that way, she does another series of stupid things, and then she feels bad about that. And then real, you know, she just goes up and down, and she just mm-hmm. it. She has this. Um, She's a very passionate character. Right. I also like the fact that it's the backdrop of the um, this time period that, you know, we don't really know about too much. You know, I, I had no idea that all this was happening in New Orleans in the time of the, the yellow fever. And mm-hmm. that's something interesting. And then also kind of um, parallel with the um, uh, abolitionist. Uh, movement mm-hmm. that was happening in the north uh and, and seeing the reaction of southerners with that and then uh, henry fonda's character i thought that was really interesting how they i loved his character yeah. when he came back how yeah. he's a different person and that was yeah they had some really good debates for i mean not necessarily for being a 1930s film but uh-huh. especially because it is a 1930s film i felt like this would have been so politically charged at the time and had to have been, you know so i, I was, was really impressed I it was a really powerful movie uh, the one thing I didn't like and what, what I actually put on the list of why it would be You're Ugly, um, Henry's fond of accent. He, it bothered me uh-huh. because it wasn't until he came back in the second act that his character came back and they were talking about, hell, welcome home. Um, what was his name? Dillard? Press. Press. Yeah. yeah. Press welcome home, Press. And then I realized, oh, he's actually from... Louisiana, because everybody else has this real strong Louisiana accent, and we're going to get some mint for our juleps, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he has 
he sounds like Henry Fonda. He I, does. You know, I thought, oh, well, he's coming in from the north. He doesn't know their ways. No, whoops, he's supposed to be one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. That is definitely true. So why is it you're ugly? So I, this is perhaps not as ugly as some other ugly choices that I have selected in, in episodes past. But there's just something about it, and I can't really put my finger on it. But I feel like I would be a little bit embarrassed to admit that I really like this movie to just the casual person. Like, if somebody was like, the Jezebel, what do you think about that movie? I'd be a little bit like, eh, I, I like it. It's it's kind Chances of... Chances are pretty slim. Someone's going to come up to you and say, <laughs> right? I mean, are you really that worried about it? No, I'm not worried about it. But just, but I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. I just, it's kind of a guilty pleasure movie for me, feel, even though it is good. I feel kind of... Bad for Jezebel, the movie, because it came out in 1938 and was greatly overshadowed by Gone with the Wind that came out in 1939. Yes. I wouldn't say that it's similar at all, but there's a lot of comparisons. Mm -hmm, Uh For sure. There's there's the North versus South angle, of course, and she's a a tempestuous Southern belle who speaks her mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Micah. Yeah. Um... What's next on the list? So next we have All About Eve, mm-hmm. which is, of course, my good pick. Yeah. Um, Figure that. <laughs> 1950. Yes, 1950. Can you give a synopsis? Yes, I will. Um, okay, here we go. So an ingenue insinuates herself into the company of an established but ingenue. aging stage ingenue. actress and her circle of theater friends. So... Why are you looking at me like that? (laughs) We're both very impressed by Ingenue. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I think IMDb. Thank you. Thank IMDb because they wrote it. (laughs) But I infused a little French into it just for you guys. So, All About Eve, I love this movie. I would go so far as to say that this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I think I, I saw it for the first time when I was in college. Um, we had this, we had this really cool thing called the Turner Classic Film Festival that would come every year and Robert Osborne from TCM would, would come and he, and a panel of people would come and like directors and such and they would screen, I don't know, five, six, seven movies over the course of a weekend and you could go see them on the big screen. Um, and it was just so cool. And this was the first time I saw All About Eve and I saw it on the big screen and it just, it just overpowered me. I was expecting it to be, I don't know, I feel like if you read the back of the DVD, it sounds a little bit boring, but you just, I wasn't expecting this movie to be as funny as it is. Hmm. Like, it's a, it's a kind of a dark comedy, but it is really hilarious. It's very witty, very subtle. The dialogue is just electric. Um, Betty Davis is at her most Betty Davis in this movie, I think. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, well, I agree with you about the DVD and all the marketing. And when you read it, you know, it's, it's all about a girl. It's all about a guy. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about Eve. It's all, yeah. <laughs> I was after, you know, you look at that and then you watch the movie and you're like, they were totally off on what this movie is about because mm-hmm. it's, it's not a fun, like swinging movie. <laughs> it's, it's a... It's kind of, it, it it is funny, but man, it can get pretty serious at times and yeah. pretty um, cuts cuts deep. Mm-hmm. You know, it does. It's a it's a very sharp commentary, I think, on women and aging and how mm-hmm. how that compares to men and how it compares to normal people versus people in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And I think 
this probably hit really close to home for Betty Davis because she was probably she's 41 yeah she was 42 yeah mm-hmm. she was getting she was in in that same arena she'd achieved this huge level of acclaim already and people still i mean she still made great movies after that but yeah. she was perhaps you know when a woman hits 40 it's like are you too old to play leading ladies are you are you relegated automatically from here on out to playing spinsters and grandmas like it's, or twins or, or, or <laughs> twins yes charles looking to um, our future but that, oh my gosh, one of my favorite quotes from the movie, I think this is so funny, is when she's in the kitchen, uh, the night of Bill's birthday party, and she's talking to Max Fabian, and she's talking about aging, and uh, he's trying to convince her to play this part, and she's talking about Bill, her boyfriend, I guess, at the time, um, and she's like, uh, you know, I'm not 30-ish, I'm not 40-ish, I'm 44, oh, I turned 40, Bill's 32, he looks 32, he looked at five years ago, he'll look at 20 years from now, I hate men. And it's just, it's funny because it's it's true. Yeah. Like, you can be a man and and be however old you want and you will never fade from the public limelight. I mean... Well, look at George Clooney. Or George some, Clooney, you know, yeah. Brad Paul, Pitt, Paul Newman, you know? Robert Redford, all those yeah, guys. Yeah, all those guys and they, they, they are still getting leading roles whereas the women who, when they started off in the 90s, the women who they had leading roles with aren't getting their name on the billboard anymore. Exactly. So, um, so if you two are finished... Um, <laughs> Charles, oh, no. no. Oh, no. Don't, Charles, do no don't do it. Why? Leave this room right now. No, Just no, no, keep no. puffing on that fake cigarette. <laughs> it's not It's not that I don't like this movie. There are a lot of positive things about this movie. But I feel like is yeah, there's a lot of the cool things about, you know, women and men. I get all that. It's cool. The dialogue snappy in parts, but it is too long and too simple of a plot. That is not nearly as shocking now as it probably was back then, mm-hmm. you know. So, what is like two over two hours, like two hours and eighteen minutes or something? Mm-hmm. I feel like the same thing could have been done in an hour and a half movie. Give you an example: the famous line "Fasten your seatbelts" or whatever. It's going to be a bumpy night ride, whatever it is. Nothing happens after that. She's talking about how she's going to go confront the woman, and then she doesn't go confront the woman. She just cries, and there's nothing, not like a big, huge scene after that. Yeah, well, but it's awkward. Yeah. I mean, she, yeah, she awkward. Makes it, it was awkward. That's she that, makes it very awkward because she gets drunk and she says a lot of snippy things to people. And yeah, but it's not it's not bumpy. <laughs> she needs to go punch her or You're shoot her for a fight. <laughs> yeah, there's just this is it drags out way too much for what it is. There's I don't know. Now, do I agree the performance is great? Yes, performance is great. Like I said, the dialogue's funny. All that's cool. I like all of that, but I actually think I prefer Jezebel to this movie. Really? Out of these three. Interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I can, I'll, I'll concede that. I mean, she won an Oscar for Jezebel. It was a great movie too. What was her second Oscar? It wasn't for this movie. No. Now Voyager. No, she, uh, she actually won. She's for on a Star movie. Trek. <laughs> she actually won for a movie called Dangerous in 1935. She was nominated. Oh, wasn't Now Voyager? Mm-mm. She oh. was nominated for now, nominated for Now Voyager. She was nominated for this one and a bunch like Dark Victory, like all the Betty Davis movies that people know she was nominated for. I don't, I don't know how. Like I, I've never even seen Dangerous. She was okay. So Hush, uh, sweet Charlotte. She was named. Mm-hmm. She was um, nominated for All About Eve, mm-hmm. but also Blanken on her name, uh, the other lead in the movie, the one that played Eve, Eve. and Baxter, yeah. and Baxter. Mm-hmm. She was also nominated for the movie, 
And so the speculative, or the basically what happened is that kind of split the votes. Uh, so neither one of them got it, and uh, somebody else got it. And actually, I think this is the most nominated film of all time. It is. It uh, is. Uh, uh, except maybe for Lord of the Rings or Titanic. Titanic. Ti- yeah, actually, uh, Titanic is a close second. I think Titanic has 13, and this one has 14. Another interesting thing is that um, Betty Davis at this time in her personal life, the character really mirrored her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, eerily mirrored her. Uh, the reason she has a raspy voice is because she was going through a divorce and she and her husband were yelling at each other so much that she broke a blood vessel in her vocal cords. Oh my gosh. Um, she did not like... Uh, Ann Baxter or the <laughs> uh, the other one, the one that played her best friend. Uh-huh. And I can't think. I don't have IMDb pulled up right now. I probably should. But, um, they they didn't get along at all. In fact, um, uh, what what's her name? Celeste Holm. Celeste Holm uh, had, went on to say in interviews that that she would do a scene with uh, with Betty Davis mm-hmm. and then would not speak to her, <laughs> like not even like, hey, that was a great scene, or why. I really like how we did this. They would do a scene and then they would turn and walk away from each other. Wow. Yeah. That's cold. It was, yeah, I mean, pretty. She, Betty, I think Betty Davis was fairly notorious for being a little bit difficult to work with and kind of, um, what's the word? I don't know. I, it's escaping me, but yeah, that kind of mm. makes sense. I could think of a word. <laughs> it rhymes with hitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What whatever do you mean? What word is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Subtle ways. Yeah, right. yeah it, it, it's I, I it definitely there was a lot of parallels happening between that and her own life. But I just I really love this movie. I think it's smart. It's funny. Um, it's just the, the, there are so many parts just just burns as only Betty Davis could subtly burn someone. You know when she's talking mm-hmm. about Eve or when she's talking about. You know anything that happened, but anyway, yep. Yeah. I'll get off my soapbox, but I love this movie. Shall cool. we? Do you, do either of you guys have anything else on this one? Yeah, I really like this movie. Charles doesn't. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked it actually. I just I really feel like it was too long. I imagine at the time, like I said, it was probably, you know, an eye opener, really shocking. But it's like especially the whole entrance scene with the you know the award ceremony and the freeze frame and the narration. I'm like, come on, this could have been cut out. <laughs> but. I was kind of worried when that. I was honestly was kind of worried when I heard a lot of voiceover. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, did they did they lose the audio? What, what's happening yeah. here? Like that one movie with the carpet thing that eats people. <laughs> yeah, that they just had to put in the audio. But <laughs> we know I what do, that means. But I like the. I thought the writing of it really stands. To, and it does. It does. Time. Absolutely does. I'm not. I'm not trying to knock this film. Yeah. I just and not just the dialogue, but the fact that you know, you have to. It's it's it, I. As far as I know, it's probably one of those movies that, um, one of the first movies that you had to watch two times to really kind of look back and go, oh, that's how she was playing this angle, mm-hmm. you know? But I yeah, truly, I, I just right. like Jezebel more. I feel, I feel like there was more depth to the story, more interesting characters, and there were some twists. I mean, interesting things about race relations and, I mean, everything. It was just, I really like Jezebel. Added bonus about, um, all about Eve is that the, um, antagonist in this mm-hmm. uh plays the voice of Shere khan in jungle book so that's all i was thinking about what oh my gosh you're right <laughs> george baxter yes yeah. yes george sanders george sanders no, it's not baxter. sanders yeah george sanders yeah he has, 
Like his ancestor. Sorry. <laughs> he has the best villain voice probably ever. Mm. It's it's great. Um, and did you like uh, Marilyn Monroe's little cameo Marilyn Monroe. in this yeah. movie? I think this might have been, if not her first, one of her first. Marilyn Monroe really sneaks her way into some good films, doesn't she? She does. <laughs> she does indeed. Well, do, uh, do you guys want to move on to the... No, I think we need to stop early on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, the last one is, of course, Dead Ringer. So what do you guys think about this movie? Oh, man. <laughs> you want to... Well, give, give a synopsis and I'll tell you my favorite part. Okay. Let me pull it up. Actually, I'm just going to... I'm going to... Uh, she plays a gynecologist. No, no, with special tools. No, she doesn't. Um, so, Penny, da- so Penny Davis plays twins with herself in this movie. Um, one is she parent traps it. She parent traps it. Yep. Um, she. One of them is kind of a more um, uh, working class, like a little bit frumpier twin, and then the other one is this high society, wealthy. Um, witchy micah's uh rhymes with hitch word uh and she <coughs> the, the witchy hitch <laughs> the, yeah the witchy hitch yes the, so the witchy hitch has stolen frumpy twins man and there were can we please just call him that for the rest <laughs> of the time <laughs> yes yes we can this is what happens when we freestyle a synopsis by the way <laughs> so frumpy so, man and witchy hitch and, and so i still don't know what the movie's about <laughs> So Witchy Hitch, many moons ago, has stolen Frumpy Twins Man, and there were false rumors of a pregnancy, and that's how she ensnared him to marry her instead of the one that he was really with. Um, and so this has been, an, this was, this is like 20 years brewing. And so when the movie opens, um, Frumpy Twin realizes that there never was any baby, and she, her sister stole her husband just because and she like tricked her into it so she's feeling all these feelings of revenge and um edith is her name and she has uh she owns a bar and that bar she can't pay the rent she's behind x number of months and so the witchy hitch (laughs) yes the witchy hitch um so she's in money trouble she finds out this startling revelation about um what's her name and she (laughs) (laughs) she um she murders her out of revenge and then assumes her identity, um, ostensibly to pay off the, the rent at, of her bar. But I feel like I, nothing ever happened with that. It's like, why else would you kill her? But then she didn't even pay for the thing to keep going. And yeah, so she just, she just took well, over her life. That wasn't the only reason. No, it wasn't. The, the, but it just seems like something that that this twin wouldn't do like maybe she she's supposed to be the nice one like she wouldn't just shoot her sister in cold blood but that's exactly what happens and so she realizes once she assumes witchy hitch's identity that she would had a whole world of problems all her own and her lover played by peter lawford is total sketch bag and but yeah so yeah she basically she takes over her life um yes complications ensue yeah and it yeah you're right It, it seems like you you meet this you meet this character and then the character does a full 180 and you th- there's no implication of it at all that she's kind of crazy but all of a sudden she's like oh i'm just going to take over her life now yeah. and it, it's very strange here you know my favorite part of this movie though what's that the dog i was hoping you would say the dog yes <laughs> i love the dog i just want to give that guy a hug it's a, it's a huge great dane mm-hmm. and his name is duke 
And see, that's funny. I can't even remember the, <laughs> the protagonist's name, but I know the dog. And uh, the the way that people figure out that you know they they switch places is that Duke likes her now, whereas before Duke didn't like Witchy Hitch, but he likes Frumpy Twin. Yes. And oh man, I just want to give Duke a big hug. I know. And oh my gosh, when he spoiler alert, but he Duke uh, defends frumpy twins honor and peter lawford is like manhandling her and the dog runs to the rescue and mauls him and kills him and it, i mean that was just kind of a shocking thing for me i'm like wow that they really they really went there. actually said out loud out of boy duke yeah yeah i, I was know. rooting for duke <sighs> he was that guy was the worst yeah but it, this movie okay this is obviously my bad pick there's so much happening and yet so little happening it's so boring um and when Betty Davis is killing the evil twin, there's oh, no... Man. She shoots her in the temple at point-blank range, but there's no, no blood, blood yeah. no hole, no nothing. Her, She just looks like she's supposed to leave. And it's just supposed to be this... You can tell they were trying to really do the shock factor because she puts on her clothes and she switches the clothes and then it pans out and shows the dead sister like slumped over in her chair. But there's nothing gruesome about it at all you know what's gruesome having to sit there and watch that whole scene (laughs) of her getting ready and then she like stops and looks around maybe i should move this lamp a little bit and then the sister comes in and sits down and it takes a long time and then you don't even get to see her shoot her it cuts away to the to the band playing you know yes and then goes back up and she's it shows her like taking the hose off her sister and, you know, the stockings and, you know, oh my gosh, she was just, wanted to press fast forward at that point. Yes, definitely. So now that you've got that out of your system. Are you going to say you loved it? Let's talk about this movie. I like this movie a lot. Are you serious, I am serious. What? I did. Come on. No, I'm not. I've just been sitting what here patiently like waiting. it? You know what it was? It reminded me <laughs> of... Like a, like a poor man's Alfred Hitchcock movie. It wasn't as good as any of his films, but the plot reminded me of something he might have done. Yeah. I, yeah I there were a lot of twists, yeah, a lot absolutely. of turns. It was kind of a morbid subject. And did you... I thought the same thing when the, she got shot in the head, but come on. Did you really expect him to show a head being blown off in a 1960s movie? No, but in uh, in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, they... The hand gets chopped. Yeah, I mean, they, they weren't afraid to tackle that. I mean, okay, but still, the fact that... She's messing with a corpse and taking, disrobing it. It's creepy. And now, now, like the classic Hitchcock scenario, the audience knows something the other characters don't. Mm-hmm. And so there's suspense, right? And then the twist that you didn't mention is that her, the, the twin is, was actually involved in killing her husband. And so now that she's taken on this identity, the police think she's the one that killed the husband. And she basically is going to be executed by the state because of this. Yeah. So it turns out that both twins are fully capable of murder. They do murder. They're not good people, either one of them. And really, she just wanted to escape from her life. She's a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did enjoy this movie. I don't know what's not to like. Here's the thing, though. If Hitchcock had taken it, it wouldn't have been a full movie. It would have been uh, an episode on his show, on, yeah. his, on the Hitchcock Presents. Because, uh, because, I mean, it's dragged out to a 90-minute movie that could be taken care of in 45 minutes easy. I See, yeah. I disagree. I think it was perf- the perfect timing. I love the characters. I loved Carl Malden, who was in love with Edith and never told her. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
I love the effect of tw the twins. Now, granted, I know they had the mor she was in mourning and she had the mask over her face, but it was still a convincing effect. Because of that, they were able to dub her voiceover, I'm, I'm assuming, and and make it work so they could be, and then they did split screen stuff. But it was a really convincing effect. Mm -hmm. Did you not agree? I mean, no, I think they, I think they handled it really well, and they, you know, they cut when they need to, and there was, uh, there was pr pretty for 1965. There's pretty seamless split screen. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I will say this though, I don't know if you guys have have are familiar with this movie, but there is another Betty Davis movie that involves diabolical twin trickery, where she plays twins with herself, twenty years earlier. It's from 1946, and it's called A Stolen Life. Have either of you seen this movie? I have not. So it's actually, it's very similar to Dead Ringer, mm -hmm. but it's so much better. It's such a, if, if you have time, you should really check it out because it's, it's, it's much the same concept. There's kind of a, a kind-hearted frumpy twin and a diabolical, like, slutty twin, and uh, it's in both scenarios, the evil twin dies and the other one assumes her identity. And I just, that blows my mind because I, I can't think of a single other actor or actress who has done two movies where they play as twins with themselves with, with a very similar plot that have the stories have nothing to do with each other over the course of their careers. I just, mm. I thought that was so interesting. You know something else kind of interesting about this uh, movie? It's directed. Sorry, let me pull it up on IMDb. I had that up. And then Not interesting enough to remember. <laughs> it's directed by Paul Heinrid, Heinrid, um, who was an actor. He was the he was um, Betty Davis's co-star in Now Voyager, mm -hmm. and he also played Victor Laszlo in uh, Casablanca. Yep. So I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. He that, did a good job. Know, yeah, it, uh, it almost is interesting. Twenty years later, or thirty years later, he cast her as the lead, and they mm -hmm. they were co-stars together. So yep. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. Little fun fact. Yeah. I like this movie. Fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. Charles <laughs> likes this movie. Fun fact. He also prefers uh, Jezebel. <laughs> well, Charles, you really should check out A Stolen Life because if you like this one, then you'll really like that one. By the way, you own all three of these movies, so that made it tricky to figure out which ones are bad. <laughs> yes, I've been seduced by bargain bins many a time in my do life. Do you have so. A Stolen Life? I do not. Ah, mm. sorry. But well, yeah. Goodness. Well, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, I, I would be remiss if I did not uh, mention this. The, uh, Charles and I are coming up on our final week of Batman here and there. and uh, so we, have, back, we have one episode we need to record soon? Yeah, we have one episode, one uh, that we're going to air uh, this week, and then uh, one that's going to air next week. Um, but um, be on the lookout. There's going to be a special announcement in the uh, episode, uh, the part 10 of Batman here and there. Uh, about uh, something that's going to be uh, coming down the pipe, and uh, we're excited about that. Heck yeah, we are. I have now seen Batman versus Superman. Micah has too, and we can't talk about this yet. Yeah, we'll talk about it later on. But uh, thanks for listening so much, guys. And uh, Charles, it's your turn, right? It is. It is my turn next time because Kelly and I we kind of squared up on everything. So my I, pick next time is going to be actually Ke Charles. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hijack you here. Would you mind terribly if I went next time? I have this, a. No. <laughs> it's like a theme. We're hijacking each other. Like... No, I'm gonna go next time. That's cool. <laughs> so my pick. Is... So I, right, I, what I, you got? I've got a special topic that I want to do, okay. um, and I will talk about why I picked it in the next episode. So you must stick around to find out why. Um, but I would love to do movies about country music. 
Country oh, music. Oh boy. Movies. Yes. Well, all right. So, Micah, get ready for some more singing. <laughs> all right, I'll tune my guitar. Yes. Yeah, this, this sounds like it's good. What are the movies? <laughs> so, the picks are Rhinestone from 1984, Pure Country from 1992, and Walk the Line from 2005. What the heck is Rhinestone from 1984? Oh, you'll find out. It's okay. a gem, a true gem. Southern podcast, after all, so why not? Yes. So, Charles, thank you for letting me hijack. I You're am. not welcome. No. <laughs> it's payback, buddy. Womp, womp. <laughs> saying how we're squared away. I don't know. <laughs> but thanks for listening. You can check us out on Twitter at Give Bad Podcast or on Facebook. It's just awesome. Also, check out it's just awesome.com, uh, where we have some movie reviews and uh, all of our all of our fun stuff. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, guys.